welcome to the WorkSmart Podcast. I'm Philip Allen. In part one of this two-part compliance roundup series, I discuss with Julie Pardy, Director of Regulation and Market Engagement at WorkSmart, the deadline extension for SMCR, the FCA's approach to non-financial misconduct, and what good conduct and culture looks like for firms in 2021. So let's get to it. Julie, thanks for joining us today on this WorkSmart podcast. Well, as you know, the regulator has delayed the first assessment of fitness and proprietary, which are aspects of the certified persons element of SMCR, from the 9th of December of this year to the 31st of March 2021, which gives firms, I quote from the regulator, significantly affected by the coronavirus pandemic time to make the changes they need. In your opinion, are firms using this extra time wisely to continue with their SMCR work programmes? I think that there's a couple of things to say here. So this is quite interesting, and I don't know how how much people have focused on this. So if we go back to SMCR itself, the requirement for a certification regime within a firm is written into legislation. So that to me says, it signals how very important certification is to the financial services industry itself. And in order to delay the requirements for solar regulated firm, the uh, FCA has had to work with the Treasury because the Treasury have to lay the legislation that makes for that change. So I think that's one thing to notice. It's a big deal that this is being delayed. Secondly, because of the way that the regulation works, obviously alongside the FCA has then got to consult with the industry around their view about these delays. So they've obviously done the consultation. They've also, within the last couple of weeks, put on their website that the industry has reacted favourably to that. And so in terms of certification, in terms of delaying the training requirement and the start of conduct rules for the wider population and the directory data requirements, it's been well received. In terms of some recent webinars that we've done, the polling that we've done and also talking to our clients says a lot of them are not going to take the extension for certification because their projects were well in progress anyway and they don't want to delay the momentum they've already built up. So we have a small percentage that are going to take advantage. And there's a couple of things I'd say about that is if you are going to take advantage of a delay, really understand that the regulator really expects it to be done by then. So don't delay and then find that you can't meet it and you're still not meeting your requirements because I don't think that's ideal. The bigger concern, I think, has been the messages coming from the regulator from their research in the banking sector about conduct rules training and the fact that the regulator is really quite concerned that conduct rules should not just be this generic push out of information to all of the people that they're going to apply to because it's very difficult for individuals to see it then in the context of their role. So I think giving this extra time is allowing firms to think about the feedback the regulator's putting out there. It's got some really good do's and don'ts about conduct rules that it's listed on its website recently. So I think firms should take it in the spirit that the extension has been offered, but be sure to work within that wider extension. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it goes without saying that the delay is not an invitation, as you said, for firms and their staff and management to act in a way that is not compliant with the conduct rules. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think I think the regulator is as equally affected by COVID, you know, as the regulated firms are. They've got their operational challenges, so they understand that there needs to be a real element of flexibility here. So I'm sure uh, there's many firms that do appreciate that extension. 
From recent conferences on SMCR and culture and conduct you've attended, Julie, are you sensing from these events the direction of travel the regulator will be taking in 2021? Yeah, I think there's been a, an interesting movement in the language from the regulator over the last couple of years and that natural maturing of the regime. And I think when we've talked before, when the regulator talks about culture, they previously had talked about six regulatory indicators. Now they talk about four regulatory pillars. When they've talked about SMCR, they've talked about it improving things within financial services based on what happened back in the 2000s. But when you listen to the regulator now, they're very clear. And I, personally, I, I do think it was clear from the beginning, but not everybody feels it was. that SMCR is most definitely not a tick box. It's not something that compliance do to the business. And any firm that is operating or intending to operate in that manner have got it very, very wrong. The regulator will talk about SMCR as a, as a framework, as a tool for cultural change. So I think there'll be more focus on that. If we think about their business plan, the, you know, some of the key things, if we look at the cross sectorals in the business plan, there was culture and there was governance, there was operational resilience, there was financial crime. So I think there's going to be much more focus on operational resilience. We had the consultation papers from the PRA and the FCA back in December 19. The closing of the consultation was delayed because of COVID. So that closed at the beginning of October. And I think there'll be a lot of focus on that. But again, I see firms maybe misconstruing some of what is required here. So with the operational resilience piece, as it stands in the consultation, it was really focused around enhanced firms from an FCA perspective. And we know that there's only about 400 of those. And so firms just need to be mindful of picking up the good practice where it's good practice to do so, but not applying rules that don't necessarily need to apply to them. So I think on conduct, there's going to be more focus on, so how do you know? So, you know, how do you know your culture's good? How do you know that you haven't got poor conduct? So what are the measures that you use? And I think it's not just about thinking about what firms have got or have had traditionally, it's what they can use in the future. So, you know, typically good conduct has revolved around things like people doing their e-learning on time, having good performance appraisals, meeting T&C assessments, but there's also, you know, a wider piece as well, I think, where people look at conduct and culture together and try and look at cultural measures that all firms have, but maybe they don't throw into the mix. So for example, you know, what are my staff retention and turnover rates? What are the sickness levels within my organisation? Are they rising? What about whistleblowing events? What about grievances? All of the things that maybe talk to the fact that there could be pockets of things going on within a firm that might suggest that there might be an issue that needs dealing with. So more of the same, but with more focus. Are you finding that firms are understanding what the regulator has been saying for now a couple of years around misconduct, so um, non-financial misconduct? I definitely think there's a, an increase in understanding, without a shadow of a doubt, from some of the anecdotal information that we pick up through research that we do, events that we attend. There's definitely an increase. And depending on what sector the firm is in, I think has made a difference as well. So to give you an example, we hear that in some of the investment type firms or maybe private banking firms, 
they have a much lower tolerance of anything that is going to affect their reputation and therefore they might have a lower risk tolerance than maybe another organization might have in respect of that but I also think that, you know, unintended consequences with everything. There was a research report that Ashurst did a while ago on SMCR in the banking sector. And definitely there was an unintended consequence that bubbled up there that was where firms are really worried to do the right thing with regards to non-financials, that they were being potentially extremely hard. And in the last couple of regulatory speeches I've heard David Blunt and Peter Ewing make, they've been trying to say to the industry, look, do you know what? People do make mistakes and we're not necessarily saying if one person has a conduct rule breach, that means they're not unfit and proper, therefore they shouldn't work in financial services anymore. You know, it's a bit more of a rounded view than that. So they were actually urging firms not to just take that black and white you're out but more holistic approach but I think that's natural because if you've got a regulator saying you need to focus more on non-financial misconduct you're then worried as a firm well if I make this judgment about this particular non-financial misconduct and allow that person to continue is the regulator going to come along and say no you were wrong you shouldn't have done that but I think if they've got the right frameworks the right systems and controls for overviewing that then I think it aligns to the firm's risk tolerance and how they feel about that topic currently. Thanks, Julie. In part two of this two-part series, Julie and I discuss the importance of reviewing and improving your conduct rules training before discussing why all firms in 2021 should embed the FCA's five conduct questions into their practices, policies, and procedures.